0: This is CSSE's centenary podcast. This week we're joined by Paul Rawkins, long serving member of the Signet Rowing Club, author of a book telling the club story and also author of the forthcoming story of CSSE.
1: So I'm here with um, Paul Rawkins, who is the author of the CSSE history book. Um, today we're going to cover 1921 to 1939. So, hello Paul. Hello. <laughs> uh, would you look, just like to introduce yourself and just say a little bit about your background in CSSE?
0: So my name, my name is Paul Hawkins. Um, my connection with the Sports Council comes via the Civil Service Rowing Club, which is called Signet, um, of which I've been a member for over 40 years now, so i So i i I was already. I was already aware of the CSSC, and uh, and in fact, many of the characters of the rowing club had actually taken part in CSSC from time to time. Some of them won merit awards, so it it, it wasn't um, the sports council was no stranger to me really. Uh, and in in 2015, the rowing club uh, celebrated its 125th anniversary, um, and I wrote the history for that. And we sent a copy of it to the sports council as a courtesy, really. Um, and Simon Lee, the uh, CEO, of course, um, looked at it and thought that's the sort of format I would quite like for the sports council's history. And, and in due course, um, Headley Featherstone contacted me and and one other, and um, said, "Would we might would we like to come on board as consultants?" Um, we said we could certainly think about that. Um, and then we had another meeting, which was probably at the end of. 2018, I think, uh, where we discussed how this might all work, and at the end of it, they said, "Do you think you could just write this book?" <laughs> <laughs> and so that's where we ended up. And so, then, so at that point, I signed up to become the author.
1: <laughs> how did you actually? Um, did you follow a similar format for writing the book? Then um, you said Simon Lee liked the format, but did you have a kind of a process that you followed when you were actually starting to write the book?
0: Essentially, I have followed the same format as the Signet one, which was fairly short chapters, um subheadings, quite a lot of subheadings, and and um and, and plenty of pictures really. So there's lots of lots of to, just to, to space it out really because because I mean one, one of the things about histories of this nature, and it's true of the Rowan Club one and probably many others, is that there aren't too many people who will sit down and read it in its entirety. Most people will just look at the pictures and dip in and out. <laughs> it needs to be interesting, uh it, it, it needs to be manageable. Um <laughs> You don't. You know, we don't need. We don't need huge tracts of text which people are never going to work their way through.
1: So, had anyone attempted to write the CSSE history before?
0: Well, actually, uh, when I was thinking about this, and, and I think to get me on board, they said they said, "Look, um, take get, take a look at this." And I was handed this um, wadge of photocopies, really, um, and it turned out to be. A history that a guy called Charles Howard had written in 1948. And Charles Howard was one of the um, the sort of founding fathers of the, uh, the sports council. He was he was a post office employee, um, and he'd been he'd been you know he'd been pushing this idea of a um, a civil service post office wide sports club for a long time, and he'd not really got anywhere with it. And then, of course, um, when the when the sports when the, when the idea finally got off the ground, he really he really got on board with that, and uh, was a great proponent. Uh, all the way through for best part of 25 years and he was the editor of the civil service sports journal he was the first editor um, and he wrote he, he edited it on and off for best part of uh, pretty best part of 50 years i should think right. um but in any case he in, in 1948 he sat down and he wrote a thing called an idea was born yeah. um, which is basically an account of the first 25 years and it's a, it's a, it's quite a romantic tale in a way but uh, but it is It's the best thing we have, really, for that early era. It just adds the colour that we wouldn't necessarily have got otherwise.
1: Yeah, that's great. The post office were really predominant in the early days of CSSE, weren't they?
0: Numerically, they were the majority, certainly, yeah. And they already had quite a few sports clubs of their own, actually, because Signet, the rowing club, was, in fact, a post office club
1: (laughs) to start with. And you must have had such a wealth of information. Um, Did a lot of that come from, was that from um, information that was stored at... Um, head office. Were there a lot of different places that you had to go to gather?
0: The head office didn't have any archi- any archives to speak of, really. At least they didn't. All it was all in a cupboard, really. It was in a right. cupboard <laughs> in Simon in Simon Lee's office, basically. Yeah. And it only later trans- it only later transpired that there was another cupboard, <laughs> and that didn't come to light for a while. <laughs> but um, but at least um, I mean, civil servants are good record keepers, so that they pretty much wrote everything down, which is quite handy. Initially. A lot of the stuff came out the thing called the civilian which was a publication that appeared weekly um and was and circulated in within Whitehall that was quite useful just for the first the first five years and actually um I actually went to the post office museum and camped there for a number of weeks just to go go through all this stuff <laughs> yeah. um but then from about 1923 onwards we we get the um We get the Civil Service Sports Journal, which, you know, which was very, which was very, it was monthly in those days. And it was, and it has proved, it had, it did prove to be a great source of uh, information, really. Um, And it carried on until 1977. So, so, you know, it was the best part of 50 years worth, really, which was very useful. And then after that, it was a case of digging through annual reports. um, And finally, going through all the management board papers from probably mid-1990s onwards. So, um, yeah, so it's a lengthy process, really.
1: So how did you decide what to include and what not to include?
0: It's a voyage of discovery with these things, really. You know, you start going through them. I suppose in the early part, Charles Howard had written written quite a lot down, so had some idea of what what the headings might be. And then as it goes on, um, I mean, you find yourself ploughing through this stuff, and then all of a sudden a gem will come out, really. And, and it does start to it does start to come together. And you think, yep, there's, there's a theme here. Um, there's a heading there. Um, this this splits up into this. Um, chronologically, it sort of splits itself up anyway. You know, and this part, the part we're discussing now runs to the second, the beginning of the Second World War. Then then we get the post-war rebuilding, and then we get other other you know other periods come along. Thatcherism. Those that, that sort of that's that's how it tends to split itself up.
1: So you've t- you've touched on it um of the of the early days already but could you just give us a bit more background about how csse was formed
0: this um publication called the civilian was it was actually it was it was it was edited by a guy called richard Cox and in in june 1921 he wrote an open letter in which he proposed that there should be some sort of service-wide sports club, and it, you know there were there were other individuals within the sports, where they were well, within the civil service who, who were of like mind, and one of them, of course, Noel Curtis Bennett, who's very much held up as the great protagonist of the sports council. But there were also others. There was a guy called um, George Barson um and of course Charles Howard himself but anyway um Cox writes this letter and in, in, in just proposes it and and it and it, and it hits it it uh, it strikes a chord basically you know it, it gets there's it there's, gets some huge feedback and particularly Barson and uh, Barson and Curtis Bennett and Howard all come on board with the idea straight away Cox then right he writes another letter in uh, in October suggesting you know they should take it a step further and it after that it, it builds it, it takes up its own momentum really and uh, they fix a date for a meeting to discuss it at Central Hall Westminster and it's fixed the 4th of November 1921 Um, and actually on the day something like 70 sports associations turn up so it's 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 well it's well attended and they sign off on two resolutions to um, to to form this uh, united service sports club.
1: One of the things that really comes across like from the beginning is that the, the significance of CSSC to the community and and the pivotal role volunteers even at that stage which is something that has um continued today hasn't it
0: yeah no i think that's right i think because it it was because in the beginning particularly it was a purely voluntary organisation really because nobody was salaried in any sense you know yeah. not, they they had a small head office but I don't think they would There really weren't any salaried people and it was, it was it was it was you know it was purely driven by volunteers and uh, getting people to you know form committees and, and yeah. maintain, maintain these sports grounds when they acquired them you know, but I think there was, there was a lot of appetite in those days I think it was you know mm-hmm. it was, a, it, was a, it was a new idea and people were you know, people people it captured the popular imagination really yeah.
1: and it was very sports orientated um initially um and some of those sports have a really long um history like the rugby and in the civil service and football and um the rowing
0: yeah and athletics is the other one really yeah. uh, the athletics is for and swimming too actually swimming was another yeah. one but they'd all but these, these are some of them were actually also some of them were already genuine associations in their own right actually um and, and I think some of them were initially, um, I mean, I think some of them were initially reluctant to join up for the Sports Council, but, you know, in the end, they all did, really. I think they all saw the advantage of it yeah. as um, a way of raising the profile, really.
1: Yeah. And the um, Chiswick Sports Ground was, um, you know, from what I've read about it, it had just amazing facilities and um, there was some great, like, really great events that went on there, on there. would you Could you just tell us a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah, uh, I mean the Chiswick Sports Ground, um, it, it, which which was located by the river, uh, at the Thames at um, yeah. Chiswick. Um, but it was it was I mean it was pretty much waste ground actually, and uh, it was owned by Chiswick. It was owned by Chiswick Urban District Council. But they were keen on the, they were quite keen on the idea of sort of honing their um, credentials as a you know, council that promoted sport and um, and the civil so the civil service when the civil service came along and said, look, we were interested in doing, developing this, they, they basically bought into it. Um, you know, and, and what they, I mean, sports cars didn't have any money to do it, so they floated debentures to pay for it. But it was, it was, it was, um, it was constructed very quickly, really, it was, I think the idea was floated in 1924, by 1926 it was up and running, basically, and it was, yeah. you know, it, for its time, it was a state-of-the-art, it was a state-of-the-art facility, really. It, um, yeah. The one, actually, one thing it lacked was probably running tracks for athletics but apart from that it um, it caters for a great many sports and it was really seen as the jewel in the crown really and it was this yeah. know, it was particularly at, at, and, and in fact the, the council at chiswick also developed the riverside promenade at the same time so the whole thing is set into this landscape yeah. um, and it was uh, yeah it was a great it was a great place to be doing uh, big events really and of course it was opened in february 1926 by king george v and the real, and the crown the real sort of the icing on the cake later in the year was they had a landmark cricket fixture against the Australians, national um, yeah. Australian side who happened to be in the UK at that time and agreed to uh, play yeah. the Sports Council. Yeah. I mean, the, needless, uh, needless to say, the Sports Council didn't win, but uh, but yeah. they did attract a huge number of spectators. You know, it was yeah. really a big moment, really. So, it, um, and there were out then There were subsequently similar matches. Actually, they played New Zealand 27. They played the West yeah. Indies in 28. So it was, um, you know, it was a great, uh, it was a great facility. Yeah,
1: I think it must have been just such an amazing time.
0: And of course, the rowing club is um, st- still there as well, which the rowing club was part of it. And the rowing club still uh, is, is still in existence, of course. Mm,
1: the Signet rowing club.
0: Yeah, and the Civil Service Lady, and the Barnsbridge Ladies' rowing club. Which oh, the Barnsbridge,
1: of course, yeah.
0: There's, there's two sides of it. And that's all still, but and that's, of course, still yeah. civil service. So that's all still there.
1: What particularly um, has struck
0: you um, during the history? One well, of the common themes—the common themes—I uh, mean, involvement, the involvement of the crown of monarchy all the way through. The Duke of York was um, a great supporter. He turned I mean, There was lots of correspondence between him and uh, Curtis Bennett all the way through. Really, and he turned up to quite a few things. He came to civil service for regattas. Um, you know he he waited. He at one point he weighed in on the civil service side when there were all sorts of issues about who could row in certain crews and who couldn't. Uh, so he yeah. so he was he was quite um, you know, he certainly pre pre war he was um he was yeah. he, he, he turned up at football matches and such like.
1: I'm sure that yeah, there's lots of great um figures dotted throughout the throughout the history.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, there are actually there's there are just some interesting little asides, I suppose. I mean, it, to the extent that sports council could claim to have won any gold medals at the olympics uh, something called lucy morton um she was a swimmer uh she and she was actually a telephonist at uh, blackpool so it's a bit of a loose connection (laughs) but i think they sort of i think they sort of took her as their own really so she she did win a gold in in um, certainly that first olympics yeah yeah, and and there were other women who um who uh, certainly um, ma- made their mark. Um, there was one. Uh, there was a cricketer whose, whose name I don't recall now, but she's still alive. She is the oldest cricketer in the world now. <laughs> she's, she's about 108 now. So uh,
1: really,
0: <laughs> but she played at Chiswick in the 30s. But uh, but yeah. she's now yes, no, she's done. She's still pretty. She's still pretty active. I mean, I think she, yeah. I think she she passed her driving test the age of 104 or something. <laughs>
1: no absolutely yeah so yeah. there are so there
0: aren't there have been some characters passing through here really. in yeah. fact i mean that's it really i think it's to, you, cannot, you can't you really can't be captured it's, it's hard to capture it all because there have been so many people who've passed through yeah. you know volunteers competitors bureaucrats
1: yeah and i guess as, as we talk about the next in the, when we talk about the next um books you'll see how that evolution and you know how the how cssc has developed and evolved changed over the years to what it is well, um, yeah, we'll, we'll um, wrap that up for today. Thank you for your time today, and very much look forward to talking to you about the next book.
0: Yes, that's good. Yes, no, yes, that's right.
1: That's yeah, oh, and I should just say congratulations because at the end of this week, you'll um, you will have completed the manuscript, won't you?
0: I think we will. Hopefully, yes, we will yeah. be there. I was there actually? Yes, that's no, good. Yes, that's yes, good. seventy-five thousand words down the track. we have uh, pretty much there now. That's yes, that's really good.
1: massive achievement.
0: Yeah certainly hoping to get it printed in the not-too-distant future. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Excellent. Good. All
0: right. That's great. Thanks Go for
1: right
0: that. Yeah. All right. Right. Thanks very much. Thanks. Okay. Bye. All right. For more stories from CSSC's past, please visit cssc.co.uk.